Pretty good. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. You can shout. You can celebrate. God is risen from the dead. We are so glad you've joined us for Resurrection Sunday. We are so happy. This is, uh, uh, as far as symbolism goes, this is the most significant uh, morning for the whole Christian calendar. And uh, we are just so glad that you joined us for that. If I could uh, ask you to one more time, I know you've been up and down a few times, but if we could just stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Today we are continuing a series that we began uh, seven weeks ago on radical shift back to the core of the gospel. And I want to remind you those two words are very significant, radical and shift. Radical means a returning to the root or it means going back to foundations. It doesn't mean going further out, it means going further down. And shift means a dislodging and a repositioning. What the Lord has been doing in us over the last seven weeks is he's been reminding us and returning us to the core of the gospel and back to the radical shift of dislodging and repositioning the very foundations of our lives. God is interested in the roots of who we are. A lot of times Christianity sort of has a reputation which is unfortunate of being all concerned about all of the externals. And the externals are simply symptomatic of internals. It's the internals that he's after. It's the heart of issues that he is most interested in. And this morning we've come in our study of the Gospel of Mark to Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 34. And I'd like to read that for you now, and that's why I've asked you to stand just in respect for the word of the Lord today. Mark chapter 10, verse 32 to 34. Remember Jesus and his disciples on their way to Jerusalem to complete and fulfill the mission that Jesus was sent to earth to accomplish. And now, for yet another time, he reminds his disciples of what that mission will mean. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. He 
is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Ooh, I see Grandma Lynn with a brand new baby. All right. Little Kenosha. Oh, my. Pretty as a picture right here. All right. Wonderful. This morning I have a word that the Lord just has quickened afresh in my heart and spirit to bring to you today. The title of the word is Living in the Third Day. And I want to walk you through some scriptures this morning that are significant in that they give us some insight into what it means for you and I to live in the third day because we are living in the reality of the third day. We live in the reality of the resurrection. So let's talk about what it means to live in the third day. Now, you can follow along if you want. We're going to be going through a number of scriptures and some of them, or at least pieces of some of them, I'm going to be putting up on the screen for you. Because we're going to be asking the question, how do we live in the third day? What does it mean to be in the third day? Come all the way back to me to the book, with me to the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And then when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Now come with me here. On the third day. On the third day. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance and said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship and then we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. 
He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld your, from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns and went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called this place the Lord will provide. And to this day it will be, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed. So what does this have to do with us? And what does this have to do with living in the third day? Well, if you come over to Hebrews, it tells us in Hebrews 5, 7 to 10, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. What does it mean to live in the third day? What did Abraham learn in the third day? What did Jesus learn in the third day? What do we learn in the third day? We learn to live in submission. Recognizing and understanding that in submission comes God's provision. Living in the third day means living in submission to the one who came and lived a perfect life, sinless, yet died for our sins. Learned obedience not because he was disobedient, but in the process of daily life choosing submission to the Father. Choosing to walk in that place of total abandoned obedience. Jesus learned of the provision of the Lord and because of his submission came resurrection. There is no resurrection without a death. We must first die. We must first die. To our dreams, to our aspirations, to to our self-interest, to our independence. And in dying, we will be raised up. We learn 
through reverent submission. All right. Let's talk about Moses. Turn with me to Exodus. And while we're talking about Moses, another little piece of family news here. He's not quite as old as Moses, but he's old enough now. Mr. Ken Holmgren had a very significant birthday this week. He kind of looks a little Moses-ish. One of those biggies with a zero at the end. The 6-0 for Ken Holmgren. Happy birthday, our brother. Yes. <laughs> All right. Exodus 19. Are you there? All right. In the third month, verse 1, after the Israelites left Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai, and they set out from Rephidim, and they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. And the people and all responded together, we'll do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then people told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, The Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be surely be put to death, and he shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they go up to the mountain. And after Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. And on the morning of the third day, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. And it was there that they received the Ten Commandments, the law, the revelation of God's will for His people. So what does it mean, people, for you and I to live in the third day? Peter writes about it in his letter, 1 Peter, in the fourth chapter. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. 
As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. To live in the third day means that we live in a place of consecration before God. We live in a place of preparedness, of readiness to receive His will. Before the Israelites could go up to the mountain, before Moses went up and received the word of the Lord for them as a people, they had to consecrate themselves. And on the third day, He spoke to them. He no longer speaks from the mountain. He speaks through His Son, Jesus Christ. He speaks through His Word. But if we are to receive the fullness of that in our lives, we must live in a place of consecration before Him. That's what it means to live in the third day. Get it? So, we live in submission We live in consecration. Let's talk about Hezekiah for a minute. Come with me to 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. Beginning in verse 1, In those days Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says, Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord says. The God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the... On the... On the... From now you will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life and... I will deliver you and this city from the hand of king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. What does this mean to you and to me? What does this mean for us about the third day? How do we live in the third day? We live in submission. We live in consecration. Hosea chapter 6, 1 to 3, which is one of the key scriptures even around this year that we have in the year of restoration 2010. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. After two days, He will revive us. And on the... On the third day, He will restore us that we may live in His presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises, He will appear and come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. As we walk in submission, as we walk in consecration, we also walk in and live in restoration. What does it mean to live in the third day? It means to live in restoration. 
many of you have placed in this box, and you are all welcome to place in this box cards that are prayers. And that's why we have the ask box. You don't have because you don't ask. So we ask. And in this box are prayers that you are asking for restoration in your lives, the life of your family, in your workplace, in other spheres of influence you have, wherever it is that you are asking. Today, I want you to hear afresh the word of the Lord to your heart. We are living in the third day. And because we live in the third day, we live in restoration. Hallelujah. All right. Anytime you want to start shouting, that'd be all right. All right. Let's talk about Esther. Come with me to the book of Esther. Some of you know the story. Esther is made queen under King Xerxes, rules the land. And Haman, who is Xerxes' right-hand man, has a vendetta against all of the Jews. Esther is a Jew. And so Haman hatches a plot by which all of the Jews in the kingdom can be destroyed, which would include and even up to Esther herself. And so Haman comes with this plot, but Mordecai comes, one of the leaders of the Jews, who is a relative of Esther's, comes and says to Esther, here's what needs to happen. Esther, chapter, um, we're in chapter 5. Well, actually, we'll we'll go back to Esther chapter 4, the end of chapter 4. Mordecai, he turns and he he goes to Esther and says, um, verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, I'm in Esther chapter 4, verse 12, he sent back this answer. Do not think because you are in the king's house and you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Esther 5. And on the... On the Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. And then Esther begins to unfold her plan, the plan of the Lord, which reverses the decree of Haman and ends up with Haman's death and the deliverance and freedom and salvation of the Jews. 
But I want you to get that picture of Esther on the third day approaching the king. In that time, it was against the law. She, even as the queen, could not enter his presence without invitation. But she did. And he received her. And what does this mean for you and I as we live in the third day? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with what? confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What does it mean for you and I to live in the third day? It means that we live in confidence. We live in confidence. There is insecurity all around us and we live in the security of knowing that we are our fathers and we can approach Him with confidence. Very interesting. I went to the dictionary to look up the word confidence. I mean, we all know what it means, but do we really know what it means? Do you know what I found? This was so interesting to me. I found that at the root of the word confidence are two words, trust and intimacy. Anybody else know that? I didn't know that. Right there in the dictionary. Confidence comes out of trust that is built in intimacy. The more we know Him, the more we have relationship with Him, the more we will trust Him. And the greater our confidence will be that flows out of an intimate relationship with Him. Do you see this? You getting it? Come on. Confidence. Literally, the uh, definition means a state of trust or intimacy. A state of trust or intimacy. We live in the third day. We live in confidence. We live in restoration. He puts back into use or service. We live in consecration. We are devoted solemnly to a purpose. We live in submission. We are yielded and surrendered and committed to His will and decisions for our lives. All right. Now we're going to go to Jonah. All right, kids, you know this one, right? You know the story of Jonah? All right. You know what Jonah did. Jonah. He was going to be sent to Nineveh. And then what did Jonah do? Come on, kids, talk to me. What did Jonah do when God said, go to Nineveh and preach to them? What did Jonah do? What did he do? He got, he disobeyed and then he got, he got swallowed by a big whale. Oh, man. All right. When God said, go to Nineveh, he said, I'm not going there. None of us would ever do that. Mm-mm. 
And so we went on this boat, and a big storm came up, and Jonah said finally, it's me, I'm the problem, throw me overboard. And they did. And the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside of the fish for how long? How long was he there? Three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. I'm going to read the whole prayer here. It's not that long. And you listened to my cry and you hurled me into the deep and into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me and all your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down and the earth beneath me bared, barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. My prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And then what happened, kids? After he prayed? The whale did what? Spit him out. The whale gave a heave offering. All right. And out came Jonah. All right. Which day did he come out? Which day was that? Third day. (laughs) I thought that was a trick question. No, that was just opportunity to say third day again. All right. On the third day, Jonah goes to Nineveh. And the word of the Lord comes to him and he proclaims, and of all things, Nineveh does what? Repents. And Jonah, he's mad. Verse four, or chapter 4, Jonah was greatly displeased, became angry, prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew, listen to what he knew. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Oh, our God. What does this have to do with us? Well, I want to remind you of a very familiar scripture in Luke 4. When Jesus begins his ministry, he says this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, this is what Jonah was sent to Nineveh to proclaim. He was to proclaim over the city the goodness of God which would lead them to the place of repentance, their desperate need to turn to Him. But I want you to notice where Jesus stops and He rolls up the scroll, He ends at that place. And living in the third day means that we live in God's favor. We live under the approval of God, under His goodwill. And because of that, we must submit ourselves to Him and consecrate ourselves to Him. And because of that, we can live 
restored lives in confidence because of the favor of God. All right, we're almost there. Mmm, this is good. Let's talk about Peter. Oh, this, this ought to be a little bit familiar to you this morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Two more. We're done. All right. Luke 24 on the first day of the week. Very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering what had happened. What does this mean? What does it mean for us to live in this place with Peter and the women Before the empty tomb, what does it mean for you and for me? You, however, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. To live in the third day means to live in resurrection life. Listen to me. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Jesus did not simply come to earth to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. He's alive. And because He's alive, so can we be alive. And eternal life begins now. For today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of life. One last one that I don't want to overlook. And it's so good that we've been at the table today, that we've been around the banquet in worship this morning. I love this. This one has to do with us. The nameless, faceless, who are not nameless and faceless to God, but the unnamed people like you and me who no one around the world may ever know about. John chapter 2. On the what? On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited 
to the wedding. And you all know the story, but let me just remind you what happens. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they've got no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine and didn't realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. You've saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Canaan, Galilee. And he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. I love this. Jesus' first miracle took place for probably a peasant couple that no one knew and their names are not recorded for us and we'll not know who they are until we perhaps get to heaven and meet them. But here they were. And I love how Jesus shows up in ordinary life. And when there's about to be an enormous social faux pas running out of wine... It would have been a disgrace to the whole family for the rest of their lives living in that little village. Jesus performs a miracle. I love this. It's particularly poignant right now as I'm preparing, you know, most of you know that I have a daughter who's getting married this summer and I just, you know, Jesus, please come. Be with my daughter and my son-in-law. I love Jesus' mother. Just do what he says. (laughs) Just do what he says. But it's significant that the first miracle takes place at a wedding banquet. Because guess what? Guess what? There's another wedding banquet coming. For I heard... What sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, has been given to her to wear. Oh, people, there's a wedding coming. There's a wedding feast coming. And because of that, living in the third day. Well, let me just remind us of what we've learned these last seven weeks very quickly. And then we'll bring the last one in. The core shift that we learned about week one was the shift of surrender. The second shift we learned about was the shift of obedience. The third was the shift of dependence. The fourth was the shift of relinquishment. The fifth core shift was to fidelity. The sixth core shift was to simple trust. Now this morning, we've talked about living in the third day, living in submission and consecration and restoration and confidence and favor and resurrection life. But the shift that He is inviting you and me into this morning is this. He is inviting us to live in the place 
of the third day, which is the place of hope. It's a place of hope. It's a place of confident expectation. It's a desire accompanied by expectation, a promise for the future, the future that we get to look forward to on the third day to join Him in an eternal banquet with Him forever. We live in hope. Peter says this. Last scripture. Worship team, please come on up. But do not forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I don't know exactly how all this works out. I do know this. If a day is as a thousand years and we're living in the third millennium, that means we're living in the, we're living in the third day. We're living in the third day. God's not forgotten His promises, and He's not slow. He's never late. He's not early. He's right on time. And this morning, if you are here today, the Lord is inviting you into a place of hope. Ephesians 2.12, Paul says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That describes the life of perhaps the majority of people around you, without hope and without God. And that may describe your life today. You may be young, you may be old. You may have been in this church for years and this may be the first time you've walked through these doors. But this morning I have a word to tell you. And that word is an invitation to hope. That you too can live in the third day. What will it require of you and what does it require of me? It requires a surrender. It truly means I've been doing it my own way for a very long time. And I'm ready to turn over the control of my life to God. Surrender and saying, I'm sorry. Lord, for all the ways that I have resisted you and the ways that I've lived my life apart from you, please forgive me. I turn away from my sin and turn to you today. 
says, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. I receive you as my Savior today. I welcome you to take control of my life. Please come live with me by your Spirit that I might live with you forever. This is the hope. we turn our lives to Him. This morning, if as the Word has been spoken, you realize that you're not yet living in the third day and you want to live in the third day. And you want to give your life to Jesus and you've never done that before. If you could just close your eyes, please, everybody, just to focus here you'd like to give your life to Jesus today, would you just raise up your hand? If you've never given your life to Jesus and today you want to say, yes, I want to live in the third day, would you just lift up your hand? Anybody? All right. Anybody? Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Mm. Lord God, you see those who are lifting their hands right now, God. Surrender to you. Lord Jesus, as they ask you to forgive them, forgive them, Lord, and turn their hearts to you today. Jesus, come live in them forever. Jesus. And maybe you've made that decision, but you realize I'm not living in the state of trust and, and intimacy, that confidence. I'm not living under the conscious awareness of the favor of God. I'm not, I'm not living in the place of consecration. I'm not fully living in submission to Him. I'm not fully living resurrection life. There's still restoration to be done and you want to live in that third day today and in uh, under that banner of the third day today and, and the Lord's just been speaking into your heart would you just lift up your hand today if that's you today and you just realize oh God all over yes I just lift them before the Lord lift them up lift them up before the Lord in fact why don't you just stand to your feet can we all just stand right now as we come to the close of the service and we're going to Sing, sing uh, that last uh, closing song that you, yeah, that's good. Uh, Liz, I'm not sure if this is on the, are you back there? Is Liz back? We need the song, What the Lord Has Done in Me. I'm not sure that we have it on the PowerPoint uh, presentation, but I don't know if we can pull that up from uh, out of the uh, depths of the archives there. Let's just open our hands to Him right now. Let's just lift our hands to Him. Jesus, it's the third day. It's the third day. (laughs) Come on, we live in resurrection hope today. Mm. Just lift up your hands to Him. I'm going to lift up this box which represents many of your prayers. The Lord today, Lord Jesus, we just open our hands and open our lives to you today, Lord Jesus, and we welcome you. It's the third day.
We welcome you to come and pour out your blessing upon your people this day. Jesus, come. As we live before you, O God, in the third day, may you fill us with your life and your truth and your hope. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, come on and praise him. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah, we're living in hope today. We're living in hope. Hallelujah. Lord, we're grateful that you have made it possible for us to live in the hope and the joy of the third day, in the life that comes from you, Jesus. And we bless you this day, O oh God. We are so grateful for your sacrifice. We're so grateful for your resurrection. We're so grateful for your power and life, Lord, to us. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, O oh God, today. We honor you, O oh God, today. Open our lives to you afresh and anew today. And we ask that you might give us the grace to live in the fullness of the third day. And now, may the immeasurable love of God the Father, may the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, and may the inexhaustible strength and power of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house. Sent to make disciples of all nations, sent to declare the good news that He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Hallelujah. May the favor and blessing of God be upon you and yours as you go. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, I lift your name on high.